0: Welcome into Locked On Cougars, a crossover edition with Locked On Baylor host
1: Drake Toll. Drake, thanks for taking some time to join us. Absolutely, Jake. Uh, Let's talk some football uh, about the team that beat BYU last year. Uh, There we go. Hey, we're
0: going to talk about that. They're going to rematch this season in Provo. We're going to talk about a whole lot of that, BYU entering the Big 12. I might even get to some basketball talk with you because Caleb Lohner went from BYU to Baylor. So We'll get to all that ahead on today's edition of Locked on Cougars and Locked on Baylor. What's up everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I, of course, work for The Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I am joined today, as you can see in the box right next to me, by Drake Toll. He is the host of Locked On Baylor. Drake, thanks again for taking some time. How
1: are you, my friend? Jake, dude, I am doing well. Finals are over. I'm hey. the, one of those college kids, one of those young uh, what do they call the yippies or whatever? Uh, Gen Gen Z. <laughs> it's like a, a yuppie. Is that what the kids are now? Uh, so I am living life in living's a strong word. I'm surviving life okay. right now. Hey.
0: I, I can remember back in those days, I have been out of college. I'm in my, my mid-30s now for almost a decade now. But I fondly look back on my college days. So I, I can encourage you just to enjoy them as much as possible because you will not have a similar experience in your life. I, I can tell you that J- you really liked the finals part? You okay, really the, liked the finals part. Yeah. You Are you sure? Okay, the finals part, I still have nightmares of waking up and thinking I forgot a final seemingly every spring. So, I. okay, the finals part, I will give you that. That part, I
1: do not miss at all. I love it. I love it. I also love the Baylor Bears, mm-hmm. as you love the BYU Cougars, and I'm really excited to kind of hash into, with teams that'll be cross-conference rivals now in a couple seasons, uh, what all we've got to break down today.
0: Yeah, so we're going to talk just about these two teams. Obviously, they're going to get a, that rematch in Provo, and as you mentioned, they're going to be members of the Big 12 here coming up pretty quick. But let's start here. Obviously, uh, there are connections between these two programs, not uh, just on the coaching side of things, with both Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos having made the move from BYU to Baylor just over a year ago. You also have two private universities, which are religiously affiliated. There's so many connections between these two universities. Give me kind of a sense, and this is just from my perspective on the BYU side of
1: things, of how Baylor perceives BYU. Oh, dude, it's the Holy War, right? It is ripe for the picking with two religious schools. I'll Uh say this. I don't think had you asked a Baylor fan that a year ago today, they would have a a really clear answer for you. But that's changed when 40% of McLean Stadium was BYU fans on Saturday when those two teams squared off on October 16th last year. I remember that because it was a homecoming game, right? You build around this game. And when 40% of an opposing fan base shows up for your homecoming game, like this mass migration of. BYU fans that came to Baylor last year might I say many of whom were big Magnolia fans I think that was a draw in itself which is interesting but the crowd was unbelievable from BYU and I think they earned a lot of respect from Baylor fans who were like crap they're the nicest but loudest people on earth gosh dang it and I remember at the opening of that game I had chills because of the BYU fans like uh uh-oh we are literally driving into the, the dome of the state, right where the horseshoe, the stadium is. Yeah. And it's just BYU fans right there. Like that's not going to be good the rest of today. Uh, and, and obviously Baylor got the best of BYU, but I, I think that showed, Hey, BYU is a program that has a lot of history. In college football, you talk about teams that Nebraska today is still called a blue blood, right? Because of what they did under Tom Osborne. Sure. And BYU has had storied success, even three decades ago, that still carries with them today. So, what was it, eighty four? Am I right? Am I spot on? It was eighty four. How do yeah. I know that? I shouldn't know that, but I do because BYU carries that with it. And I think Baylor fans are really excited to have a uh, friendly, religious foe into the Big Twelve. Okay, so. I, I didn't mean
0: to ask this question, but I would I do want to ask it. Do you think that this could bud into maybe one of the rivalries that exists in the new Big 12 just because of BYU and Baylor being private universities, that fun game they had a year ago? We don't know what this upcoming game will play like, but I think this one's just kind of one of the more natural, evolving rivalries, if you'd ask me.
1: I think the answer, in short answer, no. Okay, and I don't like the, the the answer is no. I am trying to talk myself into no because I feel like that's a little bit more realistic than yes. And the reason why is because the Big Twelve is inevitably going to move to some kind of pod or division or region. Sure. The way they pl- the way they plan this out, if it is pods geographically, Baylor would not be in the same three or four with BYU. Mm-hmm. Much to my chagrin, right? I, I want to see these two teams blossom into a rivalry and play every year. I think it's great for the sport of college football, for the Big Twelve, and for both fan bases. Do I do I think it's it's realistic. No. I think Baylor is probably going to shy away from playing BYU, putting them on the schedule in football. From an administration uh, administrative standpoint, I think fans will probably want it. But for the admin, you're looking at a really salty Big 12 team. There's, there's travel that you factor into that. You're looking at a lot of ins and outs of who do you want to play. Well, if you can keep it all pretty much Texas, I think Baylor's going to do the best they can to have that happen from a pod standpoint. Personally, Heck yes. Emphasis on heck, because that's as far like that is as far as I can cuss at Baylor University, and I'm sure BYU is similar. Yeah. Heck yes to these two teams being in the same, you know, playing each other annually, being protected rivals. I think it's great for the sport, but do I think it's gonna happen? Mm, here's to wishing. Okay, so Now, let's talk a little bit about the on-field product here
0: for a moment. The big story uh, coming out of Baylor, I felt like, was uh, Gary Bohannon moving on, Blake Shapin being named the starter for the Bears. I I think most BYU fans may have been caught a little off guard with that, especially considering how Baylor beat BYU a year ago. But can you kind of elaborate as to why Blake Shapin was given the nod over Bohannon?
1: Yeah, I think the first and foremost, there is a gap that people have to understand between Gary Bohannon's arm and Blake Shapen. Blake Shapen has an exponentially better arm, and Shapen can run a little bit, but Gary Bohannon is an exponentially better runner than Blake Shapen. It just feels like what Baylor needs next season is more of a Blake Shapen style quarterback. So I want to give a very vague comparison, and this is very vague. <laughs> people keep throwing out, like, Blake Shapen's the next Zach Wilson. I don't think you could even come close. Close to sniffing that take right now because he has not stepped on a football field for 12 games, and Zach Wilson was. Unbe- phenomenal, just a generational talent at BYU, but I think Jeff Grimes has the potential to develop Blake Shabin into a similar player, much more so than Gary Bohannon. Shabin's got that, like, he's he's tiny, he's a small dude, but he okay. can sling the freaking rock, and he can run when he needs to run. Pretty similar to, to what a lot of people saw from Zach Wilson. I think that's what, what Jeff Grimes wants to build in Blake Shabin. Now, I've talked to a guy, he played baseball, actually, at Baylor. I thought he was a better baseball player. Don't tell anybody else that I said that. He he has since quit, obviously, and plays football now. But I've talked to baseball guys and say, look, there is nobody who steps into a room in whatever sport he's playing like him in that when he walks in, you look and you go, oh, that dude's good at whatever he's doing. He's just got that moxie. He's got the QB moxie. Brings that to the table, and I think that's what gave him the nod over a Gary Bohannon who looked really solid against BYU last year.
0: Okay obviously a, a quarterback's best friend is a strong running game. Abram Smith uh, has moved on as well as Tristan Ebner. So now yeah. you mentioned the fact that they might want to go with more of a guy who's more of a thrower in terms of Blake shape. And so do they have a running back at Baylor that's going to step into the void and fill the role of almost, what was it? 2,400 yards
1: that they lost between those two running backs. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me, Jake. That's very <laughs> sweet of you. Uh, I will tell you this. The best running back on Baylor's roster this year is Connor Galvin, Khalil Keith. Grant Miller, it's the offensive line. Jacob Gall, four of the five offensive linemen are returning from last year's team. Where did Baylor win most of their games? In the trenches on the offensive and defensive lines. So right now, your best running back is your front five. Hand somebody the ball behind them and say, go that way, just just run. And you're going to pick up three or four yards based on how good this O-line is. One of the best graded offensive lines in college football last season. And when everybody's coming back and you're probably getting stronger at the position that you're replacing, I think you're in a pretty good spot from a running back standpoint with whoever you put back there. Now, Squirrel Williams is a 60-year guy, has bought into the culture. Somebody who we've seen have great flashes, but has been injured a lot. You have a a guy like Tay McWilliams, who will be the starter when we trot out against Albany in the first game of the season, who's also got an electric stand. I don't think anybody... Is Abram Smith the objectively better back of the two last season? Nobody's a, hey, I want to put you in the game. You're going to gain five yards no matter what happens. I don't know if Baylor has that yet, but guess what, Jake? You had never heard of Abram Smith on May 18th of 2021. True. Neither had the rest of us. So that came out of nowhere. I think Dave Aranda, Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos can pull something like that off again.
0: Okay, so help me understand here what the, the turnaround that uh, Dave Aranda has done in Waco, wh- what led to it? Because he seems to me, and this is just from an outsider perspective, to be a very just steady person, no high, no low. He just, he's the same guy, game in, game out. Is that what Baylor needed,
1: or was there something else in there that helped uh, precipitate this turnaround? Dave Aranda does not care about wins. Okay. That is... The strangest thing about what he does. There are so many things on his list of what Dave Aranda cares about that come before wins. And it's wild when you talk to him because you could be like, hey, Dave, you won the game today. And Dave got and he's like, we are like a used car and the used car must run. Like Dave, what, what is happening right now? Can we just talk about the game? He's just got a mind that it it makes no sense, but when he puts it on a football field, it is genius. And there are guys out there. I think Joey is one at Texas tech who is going to be successful because of his motivational capabilities, right? Mm -hmm. He's going to come in day one and just like, just, Fire you up to the point where you run through all you win more games than you should. Dave Aranda on the flip side is a guy where you could sit there and be like, God, I'm gonna fall asleep. I'm gonna fall asleep. You gotta like come. We gotta pick it up here. But he he's so good at the X's and O's part to the point where a genius in whatever he throws out there is gonna click. It's gonna work, and I think that's why it's been so drastic. Now I'll say this, Jake. I'd much rather have the X's and O's genius that builds a program in two years than I would the motivator, because you've seen a lot of times in college football that motivator peters out. You've got to have the X's and O's, or you're not gonna sustain. That's why I think Dave Aranda can keep building what he's building. Okay, one final question I have
0: about Baylor, and then we'll kind of flip over and let you kind of pepper me with BYU stuff, is there were a lot of guys, Tyquan Thornton I can think of, Terrell Bernard, the two running backs you've already, the aforementioned backs. There was a lot of guys who made the jump to the NFL from Baylor this past season, and for good reason, because they had great years and obviously needed to capitalize on that. What is your confidence level that Baylor will find adequate uh, replacements for those guys at those various positions?
1: Mm, Jake, I've asked myself that same question. Big game boomer was on the show yesterday. We kind of hashed that out. It's it's that, okay, you have NFL caliber guys, six of them drafted, 11 of them taken overall. You lose that amount of talent and you're saying Baylor is a big 12 championship contender next season. Sounds kind of like, are we getting a little bit too far ahead of ourselves when we really think about what Baylor lost to the NFL? But the case that I make for the reason they can, you know, fill those holes is because most people hadn't really heard of Terrell Bernard going into mm-hmm. last season. They were wondering coming off an injury, how good he would be kind of the same for Jalen Pete. Nobody I'll say this, maybe you'd heard of them, but no one had them at first team all American or no. here's a giraffe pick. No, but nobody had that. So you're in a similar situation where it's like, all right, name three guys in the Baylor football team. Most general college football fans would be like, I don't don't know. (laughs) And it was the same thing coming into last season off of a two and seven season. And they turned that into 12 and two in a Sugar Bowl championship. Can they replace those guys? Yes. Who are the guys going to be that step up into those roles and be first team All-American? You probably haven't heard their names yet, but they might just be sitting there and waiting. And it's kind of a cop-out answer, but we're going to see that at some point. And I just don't know who it's going to come from yet. Well,
0: I think that's most uh, college football fans that, me speaking just for myself, I I consider myself a college football fan first and foremost. Jalen Petrie, you mentioned those guys. I couldn't have told you that Baylor was going to break out like they did last year. But to their credit, they did, and they capitalized on it. And you're right, the fact that they are considered to be a, Contender this year after losing all that talent, it says to what Dave it says a lot of what Dave Aranda has done in building that culture really, really quickly. All right. So we're gonna let Drake kind of pepper me with some BYU related stuff here momentarily. But Drake, have you tried this, the birthday cake built bar,
1: the birthday cake puff? Dude, I got rocking the dad bod no longer. <laughs> My summer bod is in thanks to the birthday cake puffs, yeah. So the birthday cake
0: puffs are brand new. They just came out with those. They also have just relaunched the b- brownie batter puffs as well. Drake and I are huge fans of Built Bar. We actually had a great meeting uh, with Nick, we're the CEO of Built Bar earlier this week. Some really good stuff coming out of that meeting. And the f- the fun part about Built Bar and Nick, I live. I could be at the Built Bar facility in ten minutes if if I didn't hit any lights. It's how close it is to my house. And I am a huge fan of Built Bar. But give me kind of an insight. I know that you're n- as not as uh, I guess not, you haven't been on the
1: Locked On Network as long as I have, but give me kind of an insight as to what you like about Built Bar. Life changing. Life change. I don't have to eat kale anymore. <laughs> I can go on a diet and avoid <laughs> kale. Yeah. Uh, 150 calories, yeah. nine grams of sugar, right? You're yep. looking at 16 grams of protein. Your candy bar out there that these people are eating mm-hmm. 250 calories, right? Yeah. Like a gajillion grams of sugar and no protein. What do you, it's no, it's a no brainer. It's not even close. That's what I love about it. That it's healthy, but I don't feel like I'm eating kale. Yeah. And that's the best part is it, it tastes like a candy bar. You're
0: dead on with that. I, I said on the call earlier this week, built bars have been a big part of my weight loss journey over the past year or so. I have lost 40-plus pounds, Drake, and Built Bars have been a key component in all of it. So, guys, if you want to give them a shot, I would encourage you to do so. Get to built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15, that is L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off your order. The best part is there are so many different flavors beyond what we already have discussed, the Birthday Cake Puff, the Brownie Butter Puff. They have the regular Built Bars, which have every flavor under the sun it feels like. So give them a shot. That's built.com promo code LOCKED15. Get and join the best-tasting protein bars, and do it with our friends at Bilt Bar. All right, continuing on now with our locked on crossover edition between locked on Cougars and Locked On Baylor. But a reminder for you guys, thank you for making both of our podcasts, Drake and I's podcast, your first listen of the day. Want to encourage you guys, though, to make your second listen. Our friends over at the Locked On NBA Big Board. Raphael Barlow is joined by guys like Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leaf Tulin to give fans an in-depth look at the NBA draft. And I know that Baylor has got all kinds of NBA draft talent coming out of it. So Drake obviously is gonna have a, a keen interest in all of this. You can get it free and available wherever you get your podcast. Drake is 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 there a, by the way, a Baylor guy that you hope that they don't lose to the NBA this year more than any other ones? Because they have a few of them that are potentially coming out.
1: Oh, give me Adam Flagler for sure. All right, Adam Flagler needs to come back to Baylor. If he doesn't, it's probably the best way to put that. All right, fair enough.
0: All right, well, uh, Drake, I asked him some questions about Baylor. Drake, I want to let you ask me questions about BYU. What do Baylor fans want to know about the Cougars?
1: Oh, first and foremost, I'm going to take your question, uh-huh. remold it, pitch it right back to you. When a BYU casual BYU fan mm-hmm. or someone who's an elite BYU fan like yourself, here's the words Baylor and Bears in the same sentence sandwiched together. What do you think? Uh, well, so the funny thing about this is I think most
0: BYU fans can think back to some of the battles they've had against Baylor over the years. They haven't had many of them, and I think that BYU fans are excited to see them be on more of a regular rotation as members of the Big 12. But Baylor has a similar... Uh, Set up in terms of their university. It's a private university. It's owned by a church. In this case, it's the Baptist Church, if I'm not mistaken, for the Baylor Bears. It's the Church yeah. of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints from uh, BYU or the Mormons, as most people know them out here in Utah. So there is a, a shared kinship between these two universities. I think that BYU is very excited for and to be able to be associated with. Uh, BYU will be exiting a religiously affiliated conference in the West Coast Conference as they go into the Big 12. And all those universities have a a faith-based institution that sponsors them as well. So, I think the fun part is is BYU looks at Baylor as, I guess, for lack of a better term, almost a sister university in a way, just because of kind of their shared religious type background.
1: You know, one of the things that I have been curious about when you talk about BYU being in a religious conference or being uh, even in in you know independent in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Playing game. I know it sounds so asinine, but to a fan that just doesn't know, uh-huh. talking about playing games on Sundays, okay. you know, when it comes to any sport, what does that look like from a BYU standpoint? Well, it's just it's part of the fabric that is BYU. Uh, that's for for
0: lack of a better analogy, it's just how BYU has operated for years. They truly believe in the 10 commandments and one of them saying that you shall not work on Sunday. That that's just they that BYU is an institutional policy for decades now has not participated in sports on Sunday. There are rules in place with the NCAA championships across the various sports that if BYU is in one of those that happens to have a contest that falls on Sunday, it is automatically going to be adjusted. They Literally call it the BYU rule. Other universities have used it in the past, but it was built around BYU's request to avoid playing on Sunday. I'll give you a little bit of an example here, Drake. We just found out earlier this week that BYU men's golf is going to play in the NCAA championships down at Greyhawk Country Club in Scottsdale, Arizona. And BYU hasn't been to the championships in a few years now. They have a rich history. They have actually won a national title in golf, going back multiple decades, just like football. But under the current setup for the NCAA championships, they have the third round of the stroke play part of the championships, it's played on Sunday. Well, to accommodate BYU, the Cougars will actually play that Sunday round on a Wednesday. I know that sounds completely weird, but they'll set up the pins and everything, and BYU's golfers will go out on the course by themselves, Put a score up that is going to count three or four days later, but that's just how they operate. It's just how BYU, the fabric of the university, is that we don't play games on Sunday. We'll play any other day of the week, but Sunday it is verboten. It's not happening.
1: I love it. Oh, that's so good. Baylor takes, man, their faith so seriously Uh uh, from the university level. I'll say this. I know it's a, a strange aside, but when I walked in day one visiting the college, first thing I said, we are unapologetically Christian period. Sure. You know, if you, yeah. if you don't like it, like we're that's, that's, you know, your personal decision, but we, we as a university as a whole. And so I love the commitment to faith. Uh, kind of the last thing that I'll pitch to you, when it comes to BYU in football. And this is, this is a question that somebody actually had posed to me a few, a few shows back talking about BYU joining the conference. It felt like where Baylor beat BYU last season was in the trenches Baylor created last year under Dave Aranda an SEC style of defensive line and started to craft the O-line to, to look similar to what some of them in the SEC look like now it's not to that level yet but it's getting closer It felt like physicality was the difference in that game in Waco. Do you feel like BYU is in a position to recruit for physicality as they join the Big 12? And will that be more of an emphasis? Well, I can tell you this
0: much. The coaching staff has pointed to that Baylor game time and time again as a wake-up call for this university. BYU actually thought they were in many ways equal uh, to Baylor in terms of their overall ability, especially along the offensive front going into that matchup last year in October. And they got pummeled on both sides of the ball. The defensive line for BYU last year was weak. There, There's no if, and, or but about it. They're very young. Uh, they were undersized. And they're hoping that, that with just natural progression they'll be better in the on the defensive side of things but the offensive line BYU thought that they would be able to hold up on that offensive line and to credit guys like uh, Siaki Ika actually who is a product of Utah playing for Baylor now etc along that uh, Baylor defensive line they gave a massive wake up call to BYU's offensive front and the coaching staff and they have pointed time and time again to what Baylor did to BYU as kind of the framework of what the Cougars hope to be as they go into the Big 12 they want to be kind of that big bad team that goes out there and bullies people like Baylor did to them. Uh, I think that they will be capable of finding guys that are able to be that type of guy. The the biggest thing is there's got to be a nastiness factor to these young men if they're going to be that type of a player. And Baylor's got it. And I can speak to this directly because I watched Jeff Grimes in two different stints at BYU build those type of offensive lines. Uh, Eric Mateos obviously did a very good job as the offensive line coach as well. And they are going to put an emphasis on that offensive line play. Uh, Daryl Funk, who came in to replace Eric Mateos as BYU's offensive line coach, has talked about the fact that he wants to be a strong, big offensive line. And I'll give BYU credit on one thing. They are big. Across their offensive line, what's projected in 2022 is an average of six foot six, three hundred and eight pounds, if you go across what the projected starting five is. Will that size translate to better offensive line play and being more nasty in the trenches? Only time will tell. But I can tell you this much
1: that Baylor game was a huge wake up call for the Cougars. I love it, Jake. And you know what else I love? I love bet online. Yes. Because, look. NBA playoffs right MLB we're in the middle we're in the midst of this insane season of of sports where you're looking at playoffs in the in the NBA teams in baseball are trying to get their footing about them and bet online has live betting right yeah. so you can see a trend of a game the way it goes and kind of pivot where you want to put pivot if you get it you get it yeah. pivot your where you want to go on the betting side of, of these games so bet online for me has become my number one source along with you know the puffs and built bar since working at at locked on and I haven't found something so consistent so well put together all the lines are right there there are the futures in college football where you can already see some lines for games coming up and pick who you think will win the big 12 conference or you know how many wins you think BYU will have next season it's all there at bet online esports uh casino style gaming go to the website bet online it's, it's where the game starts is that right absolutely Drake I got a question for you though are you a Dallas yeah. Mavericks fan No, no. I'm a Spurs fan.
0: Spurs fan. Okay. So San Antonio. All right. So I was just going to ask that because Waco's just down the road from Dallas. And let's put it this way. The Mavericks are like personas non grata up here in Utah after knocking the jazz out in the first round. So, but that's so good to your point though. If you want to have some fun with the betting live, you can do it. And I've been uh, working with bet online. I've been with the locked on network for almost four years now. And bet online has been with us pretty much the entire way. And they are fantastic. You're right. It is where the game starts. Give it a shot. My friends. Before we go here, Drake, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the big 12 as a whole. Uh, we found out earlier this week, and as expected, the, uh, the NCAA has deregulated that you have to have two divisions to have a conference championship game. And I think this is for the better. It's going to allow conferences to put their best two teams in a conference championship game, give them a better opportunity uh, to play potentially for college football playoff burst. Uh For an example, I just saw this the, and we know the, the, the PAC 12 put it out. I believe in their history of the PAC 12 championship game, if the new rules existed where just the top two teams in terms of overall win percentage were to have gone to the Pac-12 Championships, something like five or six of the 12 games they've contested so far would have had different matchups and actually been better wow. matchups if that would have been the case. So as we project forward for the new Big 12, no matter if or when Texas and Oklahoma exit, what do you think uh, will be the, the format for the Big 12? Do you think they will just go with the best two teams, period, regardless?
1: Well, I think yes, but getting to those best two teams is what's going to really Uh be the moving and the shaking in this. So how do you dictate who those two teams are? You can't just say, okay, we have 14 teams, which is going to be the case for a year or two. Or even that we have 12 teams. Some of you guys play each other. Some of you guys play other teams. You've got to have some kind of formality in this. Now, it could be protected rivals where Baylor's protected rivals are, we'll say, TCU, Texas Tech, and BYU, for example, right? BYU's protected rival would then be Baylor, be one of those. Maybe it's... Kansas State, and maybe it's UCF or Cincinnati, right? So you could do protected rivals. You could also do pods where these four teams are together or three mm-hmm. teams, however you want to do the pod setup. There are so many ways that this could go. I think the way it's not going to go is divisions because you cannot take seven or even six teams, right? Boil it down to two. And then you've got Clemson, right, playing a, well, let's just go from like a big Twelve terms. You'd say you have a really good, we'll say Oklahoma has a great year next season and they would be the top of one division. And for example, maybe a nine and three Kansas state team is playing Oklahoma in the big 12 title. Whereas an 11 and one Oklahoma state team sitting right behind OU doesn't get that opportunity. So correct, you're right. Overall, the divisions are hurting good teams, maybe helping though. Here's the deal, Jake, what this is going to do. I'm on a soapbox now. Oh gosh, you got me going. What this is going to do is give conferences the way to decide who their better teams play. Example, I give this on our show all the time. Alabama, when they do the crossover with the East teams, they're not playing Georgia and Florida every year, right? That that happens once in a blue moon. They're instead playing Vanderbilt and Missouri. The reason why is the SEC doesn't want to shrink their opportunity for a college football playoff team by putting their best against their best. Because let's, let's shoot it straight. It doesn't matter the schedule Alabama plays in the SEC. If they go 12-0, they're going to the playoff. So why make them play Georgia when they can go play Vanderbilt? This now gives all of these conferences the opportunity to build a schedule around their best team for their best opportunity to make the college football playoff, which is the ultimate goal. Yeah, and see, I've thrown out that scenario as well on Locked On Cougars, is
0: that you want to avoid, yes, a potential, let's say you have a 12-0 Oklahoma State on one side, this is going into the future of the Big 12, once Texas and Oklahoma depart, and you had the two divisions potentially Oklahoma State's 12-0 on one side and let's say in the other division it just was a bad year, and you had a 7 and 5 Houston I don't know who, who insert team yeah. here and f- Against all odds, that 7-5 and team springs an upset in that Big 12 championship game. You're not going to be a happy conference to see your 12-0 champion all of a sudden just cast aside with the playoff berth, potentially. It's just, you need to avoid that if at all, if at all possible. So I think you and I are of a like mind on that. And that's the interesting part about this is moving forward, how they're going to handle that. Do you favor a pod system or protected rivals? How do you want to see the scheduling for the Big 12?
1: You know, I favored divisions for a while. I really did. I feel like it's the most succinct way to say, hey, you play this number of teams. You get a much better bearing about your schedule and there's a lot less uh, volatility. But I think I'm starting to slowly but surely get back into the pod realm where I really like the, I think the idea of protected rivals is so complex where it's like, okay, yes, we play you, you play us, but we play different teams than you play. There's a lot that goes into that. You could do it, but it's, it's like, ah, that's, too much for my head. I I am instead kind of in the realm of pods where build it regionally. Sure. uh, And keep these four, you know, you're going to play these three or these four teams every single year. And then from that point, the conferences can build your schedule, but I'm still, I haven't come to terms with the fact that these conferences are given so much freedom. So let's say Jake, you have three non-conference games, right? And three pod games. Mm -hmm. That is now six other games that your conference literally schedules for you. They can cherry pick whatever six teams they want you to play. That just doesn't seem reasonable to me. That's the thing I don't like about protected rivals or pods. I think it's the reason I've been leaning divisions, but I've started to come to terms with the fact that the pods, it looked like it's kind of where we're trending. What, what do you think? I want to pitch it right back to you. I mean, yeah. it just seems like it's all kind of a crapshoot.
0: And see, that's the interesting part about this is I've seen the ACC propose and they, they obviously are, have the 14 teams in the ACC. They want to go with a 3 5 model where you have the three protected rivals, but then annually you switch the five opponents uh, outside of that. It's you're going to get, you're going to get through the entire conference every two or three years. And that, that to me is pretty genius in my mind, but trying to fit that into a big 12 circumstance. Okay. So do, do you go with a, I don't know, a, Two protected rivals. I, I don't know necessarily how you do that, but I like that idea of it, that you filter through the conference on a fairly regular basis because there there have been circumstances. I, was it uh, that Georgia and somebody last year in the SEC had not played in almost two decades, and they've been in the SEC together yeah. for... so. I want to avoid that. I I want to avoid watching uh, uh, BYU get used to playing a team like Kansas or Kansas State, and they seem to play annually, and that would probably be the circumstance in a pod system where for some reason in a decade, they maybe see UCF once or twice. I, I, I don't like seeing that considering you're members of the same conference. I believe you need to find a way, whether it's a two uh, protected rivals and then you kind of filter out from there, or you go three protected rivals. Somehow you got to make sure that you rotate these teams evenly throughout them because at the same time, the division setup has cost uh, the Pac-12. I, I'm, I'm out here. I've seen the Pac-12 with Utah for over a decade now. Uh, they've cost themselves in certain circumstances with teams missing USC and teams missing Oregon and then getting Oregon State or Washington State instead. There, There's yeah. a... There's so much to dig into this, but you need to make sure that there's a fairly regular rotation of the teams for every team to see and the fan bases to see each other on a regular basis. I I guess that's my easiest way to say it. I don't have a perfect uh, setup for that quite yet, and I'll continue to workshop it. But you need to make sure that you're able to see these various teams in your conference on a fairly regular basis. That's the only thing I'm going for
1: throw out an idea, you know, it's, it's, yeah. literally, that's where we are right now. Right. So, it's okay. like throw out an idea and yeah. it's, it's gotta be something you can't be like, Oh, that's crazy. Well, so, okay, so
0: it, it all is. Yeah. So, okay. So if you have 12 teams, for example, you could go three protected rivals as you already mentioned. And then there are eight other teams. So maybe it's a three, four, four model, similar to what the ACC has, where you have a three teams, mm-hmm. but, but you're right. You have six games. There are so many different things. You need to just make sure that you have this on honor- a, rotating basis that you make sure that these teams see each other. I don't know if there's going to be a perfect scenario for it. Uh the funny thing is is in a way the 14 team model where it's a 355 five setup is actually almost ideal and that may preempt yeah. so maybe some expansion talk for a Boise state to Memphis, a USF whoever it might be to get to that 14 team model where you can go to that 355 five. but maybe yeah, maybe it's a two and you have Five and five, I don't know necessarily how you go about it. Maybe you just have the one. Maybe it's a one five five model where you have the one protected rival annually and then you have the five other games out there. You just need to find a way to make sure that it's it's a constant rotation. So that allows fan bases to become familiar with one another.
1: Yeah. There has to be some level of consistency Mm -hmm. in in some area. And that's why I think, again, divisions have been successful in that, but they're not successful in naming a conference champion Therefore, And I think you'll see some conferences end up going with this, this, this style do away with conference championship game. Mm -hmm. That's inevitable. That's going to happen very, very soon. And then, then you can build around. Okay. Our best team in the regular season is going to go to the college football playoff. Look at the teams last year. Oklahoma yeah. State, one of them, had they beaten Baylor in the Big 12 championship, they've at least got a shot at the college football playoff. Sure. Had Cincinnati lost by chance, right, in their conference championship? It, it, there's just so much that could go wrong for these teams in the conference title. So, doing away with those seems inevitable.
0: Okay, so Blake, uh, before we round out today's show, I did want to flip over to basketball for a moment here because there are a lot of BYU fans uh, who watched Caleb Lohner announce he's going to Baylor. Uh, he was a guy who had a really tough year this past year, but BYU fans were very excited for him when he showed up at BYU. He's a Texas native. He's from Flower Mound, just up the road from Waco there. But what are the expectations for a kid like uh, like Caleb as he goes into it? What is a top five annually uh annual Baylor Bears basketball program. What is Caleb going to be capable of doing?
1: I'll say from an expectation standpoint, I don't think there's too much pressure put on him. I think he's walking into a situation where he knows he won't be a starter. Uh, That, that is pretty objective right now and that instead he'll have a role coming off the bench. So there's not a pressure to come in and be a difference maker right away. That leads you is the difference in a final four or not, right? That's going to be an Adam Flagler, an LJ Cryer, a Keontae George. It's not Caleb Lohner. Instead, he's going to be able to play plug and play into a role where he fits best and that he wants to fit best, right? If he wants to go out and shoot a bunch of three winners, by gosh, go, go, do it if he wants to go out and be a defensive force play really hard in the paint uh and be a big guy uh, really play a true forward spot for baylor well we get you you have the leeway now for him to do that so this roster is so stacked with talent that he can fit into a position that he really feels passionate about in an area where he wants to play and scott drew can you know play a little chess and move him where he needs to go so granted yeah it's exciting to have caleb loner i think he's going to be a pretty pretty Decent piece with this Baylor team, but I don't think he'll be the straw that breaks the camels back in making this team a big title contender and eventually a national title contender as well.
0: Uh, It should be fun. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, increased interest from BYU fans on the side of Caleb Owen just to see how he does with the Bears. Because, like I said, he was a guy that BYU fans were hoping and praying would have a breakout season. He was a preseason all WCC selection and just never really worked. And I I, I will add in the fact that the injuries that BYU dealt with during the basketball season really precipitated a role change for Baylor, not for Baylor, for Caleb that really, I think, hurt his overall ability to contribute at a high level. But, Hey, I'll be rooting for the kid. I really enjoyed my time talking with him. And I can tell you this much, Drake, I don't know how much you'll have an opportunity to to talk to him. He is a unique personality, and you will enjoy talking to this kid. He has got a very, very unique way of looking at the
1: world. I'm excited for it. I think he's going to be a great piece to add on, and I know we're all excited about it. Maybe he won't be the key piece, but that's okay. Not every piece is the key piece. Well,
0: Drake, it's been an awesome time talking with you. We'll do this again ahead of the BYU-Baylor matchup in September. It's, It's stunningly close, but at the same time, a long ways off. Looking forward to it all the same, though
1: hundred percent, Jake. Thanks so much. Uh, You know, of Bears, obviously, but there's one team that I'd like to see succeed out there. It's got to be BYU, especially after we poached half your coaching staff. Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh,
0: Half's a little strong, but you did take a big chunk of it because I can tell you as much. Jeff Grimes, great human being. Same with Eric Mateos. Mm -hmm. I got to know those guys both very, very well during their time at BYU. Baylor's lucky to have both of them. And Bears fans out there, if you guys are watching this, you got two fantastic coaches. They are the best. And I love those two dudes and I wish them nothing but success moving forward but Drake thank you for taking the time thank you to everybody for making us uh, on Locked On Baylor and Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day now let's go listen to make sure I encourage you guys to make your second listen our friends over at Locked On Big 12 Josh Neighbors does an incredible job talking all things Big 12 football basketball and everything in between make that your second listen today it's free and available wherever you get your podcast until next time for both Locked On Baylor and Locked On Cougars take it easy